Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, we're back at it. Answering your real estate questions by phone and by text. Chris and Andy, good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, We have uh, a lot going on today. And I know you guys do. In fact, you came in loaded with... uh, Manuscripts. You know, Andy's a really good researcher guy. He comes up with some interesting things, and then uh, I think we just kind of throw our own perspective on them, and uh, it sounds pretty good every once in a while. We uh, every <laughs> once in a while. Why did you give away our secret spice? What uh, is the parade still going on? Yeah, yeah. Last weekend. Last mm-hmm. weekend. This oh. is it. Yeah, it's last so you got weekend. A nice yeah. day. Now, you guys have uh, you have something in particular, don't you? Yeah, Andy? today I actually uh, thank you for asking. I have a uh, an event up in Lino Lakes today, number uh, three seventy five. We're doing a wine and cheese, meet the builder, meet the designers kind of an event. We have houses right. up there from under three fifty. So, did you do one of those events earlier in the year at another one? It's kind of a theme of my open houses now. If you notice, I've also have one tomorrow up in Forest Lake as well. But you know, the thing is, is that we're we're going out there having a chance to come into the houses. Have a nice glass of wine, sample some different cheeses. We also down in the in the lower level we'll do like a beer and pretzels, kind of fun too. So if wine's not your thing, you can and I have soda for those of us that like soda as well. But the idea is come out and relax a little bit, actually talk to the people that you're thinking about building a house with, you know, or oh, talk yeah. design, talk strategy, ask those questions. Why don't you guys do this? Or what why do they do it this way? And it's it kind of I think most people benefit from that when they get a chance to talk one on one with because it's not very rarely or very often that you get to actually talk one on one with a home builder. You know, that's true. And I think, you know, I've been in some of those model hours this uh, fall as well. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, a lot of you can see people like they're nervous. They're nervous to, you know, come talk to you because they think you're going to try to sell them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's fun. I mean, with me, it's fun that uh, is my mic going in and out. No, no, you're fine. Oh, okay. No, no. It is on my my headset. But anyways, um, <laughs> it's it's fun talking to them. And once you kind of start getting into it, and whether or not you're just kind of out looking for ideas, um, remodeling ideas, or hey, I want to, I'm, I'm two or three years out. Try to get that information because no. by getting that information, it could be uh, really valuable to you. And you learn a heck of a lot quicker. And, yeah. You know, and people don't have to right, stalk you. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, and I think that there's a lot of research being done. I mean, people are. You know, everything from, you know, you look at the statistics of what's out there and they were, we were just talking about that uh, earlier that, you know, people are looking for more than just the actual um, design of the exterior of the house, like curb appeal, for an example. That was actually surprisingly lower on the list of things that people were looking for. Yeah, they were looking for customization. They were looking for the right neighborhood, the right lot, um, right school districts. I mean, there's a lot of big factors that go into buying a house. So when you put a lot of those things into a line and then you say, okay, now I have, it's down to five builders. Now those five builders, who's building in my price range, you know? And so it's kind of fun to be part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we were, I was just talking about, you know, that realtors attack or the people, the salespeople in there. And so obviously Andy's got another way to do it. He gets them drunk. Oh, and then he gets them. No, oh. no, we don't sign contracts or anything. So I mean, oh, okay. it's, unless they want to, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of. <laughs> hey, we've had happy hours at ours too. So. But it's a lot of good Q and A. It is. Everybody benefits. Even the builders benefit. I would assume. 
it yeah. helps everybody. Well, yeah, and Absolutely. you know, I think that it's it is one of those things where, you know, you, you ultimately are interviewing somebody to do a job for you. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, right? So. Why wouldn't you want to take the time on the front end to actually have that opportunity to interview? Are they answering the questions so that you're comfortable? Are they, you know, walking you through the process where you actually have a believable timeline? Or is it, you know, are, you know, because there's a lot of builders that I think want to get stuff done as fast as they can. And then weather like this year, my goodness. I mean, every builder struggled with the weather with the, you know, the rain like it hit us. And it's it's one of those things where there's understanding what can delay the project and, and talking through what is what is the alternative if this happens or what is plan B if this happens. And that's where I'd spend my time if I was a buyer. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people that have built before and said, oh, my gosh, it was horrible. But they want to build again, hmm. you know, because it's that, hey, I can do exactly what I want and how I want. And I get to hmm. pick out this. And, you know, you don't have to go in and try to switch everything. But I think another thing that people that have built before also hmm. look for is warranty and coming back. Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing that uh, people ask and, and how you handle that because uh, it, not, there's no house that's going to be perfect. It just can't happen. And, you right. know, things settle and you have to be able to come back and it's just, you know, adversity happens just how you handle it. Well, you know, and I think one quick thing too, uh, you know, when you look at building um, a home and you build in the summertime, which everybody thinks you should do, right? It's just, it's the psychology of, hey, it's warm outside. We can be outside. Everything's going to be done correctly. The moisture the dew points are ridiculously high. You get those studs that are in the walls. If you're using, you know, uh, dimensional lumber that absorb that moisture, they can twist inside those walls once they dry out. I prefer digging now and building through the winter. You have less delays. You actually, weather is, believe it or not, less of a factor during the winter than it is in the summer. And the only time that we really get slowed down is like the, you know, end of January and February where, you know, you get sub, sub zero, and then they may not be able to pour footings. But all of the products are designed to be built in that time frame, and usually the projects that are built in the winter stay on track and stay That's on time. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a really good time the next couple of months to be it able to get that foundation in. So if you're thinking about it, you know, and, and getting that plan process ready. And the plan process can be, I mean, it could be a month. It could be uh, two years to be able to go through, depending on how much you want to customize it. But uh, and the other thing is, is, and we always talk about, hey, if you're thinking about listing in the spring, get your pictures now. If you're thinking about building in a couple of years, it's time to go through these models and start getting ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we always suggest to people is uh, get a Pinterest board set up or house.com yep. and start saving all that stuff. And so you remember it because uh, a lot of, I mean, when you come to custom home building, yep. uh, that's what the designer wants to be able to try to get into your head. And there's no better way to do that than to be see, see photos. Right. Well, okay, guys, I got some trivia for you here. Okay. So what do you think the average age is of a new construction buyer nationwide? Well, <laughs> nationwide, um, we're seeing um, older, I mean, over 50 that are that are doing it. Really? Uh, getting going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the average age is 47 years old. That's the oldest in years that that actually is. Um, uh, Do you think that's because of, like, one level of living, that they're building a different product that works for people now? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a lot of things. There's establishment in life. There's, you know, there's obviously the resources of cash. I mean, you know, you look at, like, um, most – actually, here's the other stat. What, What percentage of those people do you think are repeat builders or buyers that will build again? Okay, see, now in I that think same that's age high. group. Oh, you mean, okay. So those 47-year-olds and older. That's the average, and then they're going to do it again? Yeah, how many of them will do it again? How many is this their second time they've built or more? Oh, I'd say 65%. 71% have wow. built, are repeat customers. So, And 53% of those people are moving from a different city, which tells me that they're following the kids or they're moving to the city they desire. Like maybe they want to be by the water, they want to be downtown, 
or whatever it is. So they're they're actually uprooting from you know the true empty nester. You know they're ready I, to move I where wondered, they want to live. I wonder too if uh, if more many people are, are getting married later in life. Th- that is a big that, problem right now with housing. Is yeah. that there's the 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 lay uh, family um, building process that the millennials are choosing careers over top of the actual. So they're delaying that slightly. So. People are getting married a little older. They're, you know, establishing their families a little later in life, and they're worried about their careers first. But, I mean, a lot of them have debt, man. I'll tell you, that college debt is crippling a lot of those people. I mean, I think it was – I heard a stat that was uh, – it's the average kid graduating right now has like $38,000 of debt um, towards college, and that it was crazy. One out of ten of those kids is in default. Wow. It was yeah. interesting. I was, crazy stats. I was meeting with uh... – uh, a kid that wants to get into real estate, 20, 25, 26 years old, mm-hmm. um, went to college, uh, I mean, graduated quick, then got his master's. And uh, now, he, I mean, he was saying, gosh, I really think he wanted to go into real estate. His mom was a realtor. Uh, it's been around it kind of his whole life and he yeah. wants to get into it. But he's kind of stuck because he's got student loans that are higher than his rent payment. Right. You know, and it's uh, and he still owes mom and dad money, too. So it's kind of one of those things that didn't, didn't anybody tell him he just has to take a 40 hour class to become a real estate agent and then. Pass well, we did. Tests. We talked about that. It's, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> I think he's doing it. But the other thing is, is that what about people? Yeah, that's like, like it's hard for young kids to get in our industry because you Respect. don't get paid. You know, right. you don't get paid until you sell something. And if, if you're first starting out, you probably don't sell a lot to be able to get paid from. So now how do I do that and juggle? Hey, I've got a job here. I got all these uh, loan yep. payments. And I think that's how people get stuck. And, you know, all of a sudden it's 50 years old and now you're a realtor. Right. Because you finally got rid of that. Or stuff. it's part time yeah. and they don't ever get any traction because it's part time job, part time real estate. And it's it's tough business. Yep. Yeah, it is. All right, I tell you what, we need to take a break. Let's invite our listeners to to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a real estate-related question, call it in or text it in. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to The Real Estate Show here on CCO. If you have that kind of a question, you can call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy in studio. we we had a text. Maybe we can grab a couple of these before we get on with it. Okay. How are commissions split when a property is sold on a multi-listing sale? Well, it's typically, I mean, everything's negotiable when it comes to uh, uh, commissions, but typically it's 55% goes to the listing side and 45% goes to the, the selling agent side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, and it depends. I mean, there's also things, uh, Denny, that you can add a little flavor to it. They call things like variable rate commissions, like varying the rate that the listing agent is paid based on how the buyer comes to the actual seller. So if they have an agent or do they not have an agent, and then you have to disclose that on the MLS, is it variable rate or not? And so there's a lot of different um, hybrid versions of that. So you don't have to just fall into a you know a category and, and make that fit. You can actually customize it. We're talking at different numbers. Uh, different ages of people who are home buyers or the, you know first time second time uh, new home builders uh, I wanted to ask you what kind of uh, and you can both jump in uh, a style of homes is there is there a certain type of uh, style of home that's selling more than others yeah yeah good question um <laughs> I, I think number one uh, a big thing is having a main floor bedroom do you not agree I think that spans um, really most every age group, but the problem is, is that then you have to get the house bigger. Right. I mean, if we're talking new construction size, so it's going to cost you more money yeah. in which to do that. But I think when you have, and, and let's just say we're going to move into the luxury uh, mm-hmm. level, 
um, which in Minnesota is somewhere over that 700,000 range. That's yep. the top 10 percent of the yep. market. Um, having a bedroom on that main floor is a big thing when it comes yeah. to resale. Well, I tell you, Danny, it's interesting you ask that because there's it depends on the price point, like you were saying, Chris, where a lot of families will come in and they say, okay, what, what does a new house even cost? And so we start out with the, well, do you, have you talked to a mortgage lender? What are you comfortable with for a payment? And they'll say, well, we really want to spend, you know, so many dollars. Then we'll guide them into giving them the most amount of features that they can afford. And then they have to decide, hey, is it worth building new for that price or not? And so when you get into things like main floor bedrooms, everybody wants one. It's a matter of, like Chris said, can they afford it? And I see a lot of different cultures that come in and they say, we want a main floor bedroom. And what's interesting is you think, well, you're pretty young to want a main floor bedroom. And parents. then they realize it's parents. Yeah, it's multi-generational living within the same house. And then once they realize, hey, it's cheaper for us to actually build the traditional two-story with the bedrooms up. And then mom and dad have their own little like getaway apartment down in the basement where we do the, you know, the actual bedroom with a master bathroom and the really nice kitchenette. Um, you know, it, it, it's a lot cheaper that way to do it versus the main floor. Yeah. How about, I mean, I, I think when we talk about different styles too, I think people, they start justifying. So um, typically when you're getting into um, like price ranges, lower price ranges, you'll, you'll usually get like a split entry mm-hmm. or they'll have multiple uh, different levels where um, a split entry has less basement. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in concrete is what I'm talking about. Um, and it's it's more affordable in which to do. You kind of stack it. Um, I think that when it comes to resale on split entries, uh, a big thing is is uh, the size of that foyer. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, I've been in many houses where you know you come over for a dinner party and you got to stand on the stairs while the other people are kind of kicking off their shoes and then flying downstairs because that foyer yeah. is super small. So adding adding on to a foyer. We had uh, we're going to have this listing uh, out in Farmington, yeah. but they had a small foyer, and this person put on an addition to their foyer. Mm-hmm. It totally changes the whole house. Mm. I'm, I'm telling you, Danny. the The word split words word it's two words. Um, split entry is is almost a swear word in construction because people come in. I don't want a split entry. I say, well, what about this multi level over here? So we have some three level versions of those that style of house or the houses that have bigger foyers. You know, where there actually is a, a mud room on the main, on that level and there's maybe a big closet. There's the, you know, the coming in from the garage, there's plenty of space. People don't look at that the same, even though it technically on paper is a split entry. You're just coming in with a bigger foyer, like Chris said. So the, the idea there is that if you look at the per square foot price, though, some of those houses are up at over 300000 or $300 a square foot. When you build a 980 square foot house on a, a lot that's, you know, 80000 it's so it's per square foot, the most expensive house you can possibly build. But because you can build them smaller, because they look bigger from the outside, you can get the purchase price down. And then what I like about splits for younger buyers or, or whoever, they can finish the basement. So then they can build that equity themselves. And so now they can add another two bedrooms, a bathroom, a family room, a fireplace. And then they can, you know, actually uh, build the equity of the American dream, you know. Yeah. And I think if I was going to do that and build a split entry, mm-hmm. what well, I'll ask you first, what what are the things that you would maybe add to that? Say you had an extra ten thousand dollars on top of this price, and it was two ninety, and you could get it at three hundred thousand. What would you add on, or the amenity you would do to um, help yourself out? If we were only finishing the upper level, yep, I would add a master bath. Usually, a lot of times the mm-hmm. the splits will be 
uh, they'll have a shared bathroom. I think the next set is to go to a, a two bathroom, mm-hmm. um, two bath, and then you go to a three bedroom, two bath, and then you get to the point where now you've got a split entry that's over fourteen hundred square feet. It gets pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, you start looking at two stories. I agree too. A master bath mm-hmm. or a third stall garage, or maybe a fire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're talking. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, we need to take a quick break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So chime in if you have a real estate type of question. Call it in or text it in 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show. Chris and Andy in studio answering your questions. If you have a real estate question, by all means, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy, we've got some text messages. Should we kind of feel those? Let's do it. We can. Let's see. Let me find out where I left off. We are retired, Tech says have sold our home and moved into a luxury apartment. Is there any kind of a program for a lower or no down payment way into buying a condo so that our large rent payment each month goes toward owning something without depleting our retirement fund to be used for a down payment? Hmm. Um, well, first of all, I think uh, to be considered a new home buyer, mm-hmm. you've had to have uh, not owned a house in the previous three years, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, so I don't know if that's the case, but it there might be a program. Mm-hmm. But then there's also income requirements sometimes with those no down payment loans. If you're a veteran, or if uh, you want to move out a little ways, um, there's USDA loans which give right. you zero down on both of those. Um, but I think the other thing uh, on that is. I think I would how I would be looking at it. Let's just say I owned one as an investment property, and I was looking at someone that you know would is willing to pay that rent. Um, uh, maybe do a contract for deed from an owner standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, banks want some of your money into it, so you don't just walk away from it. Yep. Um, but also depends on what that appraised value is. Well, and there's something to be said for, and I I just don't know enough about them. And I someday we should have somebody on that that is well versed with co-ops. Co-ops, you know? yeah. And co-ops, you depending on the size of the deposit you make, depends on how much you pay. And I think there's also some income uh, programs that are available too. So if you're a little lower income, you can actually have some subsidy on there too. Um, you are basically uh, buying into the interest ownership. of a building. Yeah, you yep, you not own the a actual unit. Of the building, but you still have some ownership there. Um, I don't know what all the rules are with that, but you know there there's um, pros and cons to everything. But that sounds like a product that might fit for this couple. Um, or person, I, I think that is something because co-ops is something that's not not super common around mm-hmm. here, and that uh, we should have someone on that can talk about those. Yeah, they're all around. I mean, I see a lot of our friends and family that that's kind of a solution that you know controls the expense because you know you, who knows how long you're going to live. You could live another thirty years. You could live ten weeks. You know, you don't know. But I mean, it's like that. Controlling your expenses is always a, a really important thing to stay focused on. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text and phone calls. Uh, here's one. Another text. Why aren't jet style jacuzzi tubs not being installed in bathrooms? I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we're kind of going from the new construction standpoint there, uh, but I think there's a couple of reasons. Obviously, cost. And number two, uh, I think. I mean, I know I've had them, and the water cools down really fast. Yeah, you know you when you're, when you're bubbling it around. Yeah, you'd have to have a heat assist. Well, then it costs more money. So mm-hmm. what do you think? And well, if you haven't used it in a while, do you ever see what comes out of there if you haven't yes, used it in a while? Gr- well, we did things? one on a home oh. inspection uh, not too long ago, turned it on, and they have probably not run that since they built it. And you get the, you know, the it dried soap, crusty stuff, yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff that comes out of there from the water sitting in the pipes. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there's something to be said for it. I think that you could really, if you were going to put one in your own home and you'd uh, sit there and enjoy the bubbles every night, I think it's a great asset for you. 
if you're putting one in for resale, I'll tell you this right now, I have more families that are buying new um, that look at that and they want a big soaker tub. They want to be able to fill it up, have the nice tub, and then they're in and out of there as quick as they can. And, and a lot of times the oversized tubs now are not cool either because it just wastes so much water. People want tubs that are big enough for them to fit in there. And so I'm, I'm realizing a lot of our customers are selecting the narrower tubs, you know, because we're not, you know, five well, feet wide. We because, don't need to fill and, up 80 gallons, you know. And the other reason is because they're a decoration a lot of times now yeah. versus actually using them. People feel, I better have a tub, you know, but it's more of a decoration type thing. I see yep. that a lot now with wood-burning fireplaces. They've become decorations and people are um, – you know, Too much work. Yeah, modifying them, making yep. them into little wine cellar things. I mean, it's well, it's, they put it's the kind inserts, of interesting. The gas inserts are oh, yeah. popular too. Yeah, we and you flip that, the yeah. switch and yeah. you're partying. What what yeah. about? And I, I granted, there's going to be a, a cost factor here. Mm-hmm. Saunas. You ever see saunas in homes? A, a lot of times it sounds now. Finished there. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's how you, <laughs> you pronounce do. it. That's yeah. a sauna. Wow. Yeah, I got to do that. But anyways, um, I'm not going to try it on air. The a lot of people are getting the the ones that move in and out that don't build them in, and so they can the take portable. them with you. The portables that <laughs> portables. literally slide under the deck in the backyard or whatever. You got it. And ah, yep. It is very subjective to the buyer for sure. You know, um, sure. You know, when you said it that way, I think if you eating a pasty sitting up there in northern Minnesota in your sauna. <laughs> Eating a pasty. <laughs> what are you, one of the rangers? I thought he was going with Sonos, the sound no, system. I, I'm like, oh, that's been, a gossip we, thing. We've been corrected by the grammar police yeah, oh, a yeah. lot, uh, the Finnish grammar police. Yes. Saying it's well, not we have a, sauna, it's sauna. Yeah. We have a lot of our buddies that are from up that part of the country in our state, and it's a lot of fun to have fun with them. Yeah. I'll t- tell you, back to that jacuzzi thing, though. Yeah. In the early 2000s, I think that was one of the big sale points. You know, that, I mean, I put out there, hey, it's got a jacuzzi tub, you know. Uh-huh. And now as the time is gone, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. And some people now are just like, well, we have to have one tub at least. Mm-hmm. You know, most people want showers. But yep. then I have people at my house that are tub people. Yeah. So I, well, I we, guess it depends. You know, Danny, I build almost every master that we build nowadays has the big tile walk-in showers with the ability to have the rain garden shower on the top. Or they'll have dual heads in there or they have, you know, the, I call them the car wash buttons where they actually are spraying you at the, you know, all different levels. And that, that's become more popular and in more demand than I think the tubs have. And so it's, you know, it's really subjective to the person, you know. Yep, totally. Um, you know, you were talking or you had mentioned, uh, you know, why people are building stuff and really came down to a lifestyle that they're looking for. Sure. Um, and I think that's a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that you had uh, reviewed uh, earlier this week was about co-living. Yeah. And that's another lifestyle. I think that's kind of interesting. I think New a concept, lot, yep. Yeah, I think a lot of us um, see it in like dorm rooms, you know, where yeah. each pe- person, I mean, maybe not in a dorm room as as luxurious as this, but yep. in a dorm room, everyone's got their own little getaway spot. And then you share kind of the main components, whether it's a kitchen, living room. Um, but yet if you have a bedroom and a bathroom, I mean, people are starting to buy that stuff. Well, you know, it's trying to create that cohesive kind of community where you share amenities, you share kitchens, you share whatever. And, and you may be career orientated or maybe you're an athlete training or you're, you know, limited on your income. You know, um, there's a lot of different community aspects of this that I really like. So, like, instead of you living by yourself in somebody's basement that you don't know the people, this gives you a chance to have your own place, your own bathroom. And then all of a sudden you're sharing common areas and you're being around people. So community is, I think, more important than we realize as we're, you know, so social media based nowadays. The real people are the thing. Um, but I'll tell you, 
a lot of people don't want to share, you know, depending on your privacy concerns, you know, I mean, something like a a co-living where it literally is like the apartment with, you know, four bedrooms and there's four different families or four different individuals living in those units. But what's nice is we're finding the millennials love it when they're busy with their careers. Like they're coming into Minneapolis and they're in and out of Minneapolis. They go to Chicago and then they're in New York City. Um, So there's, there is, it's, it's coming more than just to the door. I think even in the elderly crowd, I mean, you're going to see some people looking at that as being a great alternative to share space. Yeah. I, uh, you know, people have listened to the show and they know my kids overseas. He plays football over there and um, he talks, he gets to travel a lot and that a lot of that is happening over there where these people are finding little places that they can just hang out for a month and then they stay there and they do their work. And, you know, maybe it's on the the internet and they just go travel all over the place. Mm -hmm. So uh, are those places like flexible, they flexible leases or are they selling them? I mean, no, you, yeah, the, you could buy a spot. So the successful it... versions of this are, you know, on the coast where the costs of living are ridiculous, right? So you're coming in there instead of renting an apartment for thirty five hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom or a two bedroom in New York City, you're actually doing a cooperative where it's eight hundred bucks. And then there's a one month a month lease. So the idea there is to keep you fluid. So you're into that town, you're doing your one month project and you're out of there. Or you're doing a two month, you know, you get, you know, hired in as a consultant, you do your job and then you move. But, you know, what's interesting was that same article talked about, Denny, like the amount of people that live in these really expensive cities that pay well, but they're expensive to live in. It, the, the ratios aren't right, right? You're not making quite enough to want to live in downtown New York. They're commuting, telecommuting from like, you know, Florida, for example, or, you know, where they're literally paying no state taxes, but they're actually getting New York City wages because we can telecommute. You know, I mean, you're literally online and it, uh, it's an interesting life. Yeah. I mean, people are changing the way they live for sure. It's kind of exciting to see. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Text uh, says this, when homes are priced at appraised value, how can someone advertise that he will get me up to $60,000 more for my home? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if I've heard that one. But um, It was a seminar. Oh, really? Okay. So appraised value, what that means is that's what the bank is willing to finance based off of. So I think there's there's market value, assessed value, and appraised value. Assessed value is what the county thinks your place is worth and what you're paying taxes on. Mm-hmm. And then there's market value, you know, what that home's worth. So I think in that case, someone's going to have to uh, yeah. pay $60,000 up front before they get a, well, a mortgage on and it. I think they were talking market value, Chris, where they were saying, like, they're going to give you suggestions as to how you could improve the value of your property to get you more market value okay. versus market value subjective to the consumer. So that's where maybe the if you read the fine print, that's probably what they were suggesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, we go break? Yeah. Gonna take, yeah, let's Please. take a break. We have more show to come, though. If you have a, a real estate question, by all means, you can phone it in or send a text. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. And good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on CCO. We're here uh, every Saturday in the 10 o'clock hour welcoming your phone calls or text messages related to that topic, real estate. Uh, Chris and Andy, we have callers, we have texters uh, that we can certainly help out um, I'll tell you what, let's do a, grab a phone call here from Keith in Blaine. Good morning, Keith. What can we do for you? Yeah, see, I got a townhouse, townhouse I've been renting out for the last eight years. I'm looking at selling it, and I want uh, an opinion on selling it as a contract for deed, I guess, versus a traditional sale. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, if it's a rental home, you're going to have uh, some tax implications if you make money. Um, and a contract for deed is a, a good way in which to delay those. 
and keep getting some income. Uh, if you do have a mortgage on that, you got to check if see if it has a what's called a due on sale clause, which almost a hundred percent of them do. Um, so just check into the ramifications of that. But uh, you typically you'll get uh, more uh, if you offer financing for that. But you'll also tend to sometimes. Um, get people with maybe a little less than perfect credit. Well, yeah, and I think it's nice too, Chris, because I think that, you know, for Keith, for an example, let's say that, you know, he was getting a certain percentage. Usually contract for deeds are getting above market rate for the the actual interest. So you're getting a little more than what you would if you were to just, you know, rent it, for an example. So it actually can be a great strategy, you know, holding your money and, and having a CD with a, you know, 7 8% on it or whatever. And Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things you can do because there's also 1031 exchanges. So if you don't mm-hmm. want to pay that tax, you can move it into something of equal or greater value. Um, but uh, we're seeing a lot of landlords because um, the market values have gone up selling now. You know, mm-hmm. they had to deal with a, a lot of junk uh, previously and finally say, you know what, I'm cashing in. Mm-hmm. But a lot yeah. of people are also getting into it as well. So we're getting questions about uh, the Prairie to Homes, and uh, you had mentioned uh, yeah. a couple of special deals that you're involved with. Yeah, so Prairie to Homes number 375. Today we're doing a wine and cheese event. Uh, the builder is Eternity Homes, and the address of that property, we had a caller that asked is uh, 6774. 21st Avenue South and Lino Lakes, and they have four different models up there to look at. So they have uh, three levels, they have one levels, and they have uh, a two-story and a, uh, a split entry as well. And then tomorrow, the 29th, it's model number 364, and that's also a wine and cheese event, same group. The address up there is 20630 Hamlet Avenue North and in, in, uh, Forest Lake. That's a two-story, but they have Ramblers up there for sale. We have houses uh, at 300000 350. So, I mean, and there's actually a, a really nice executive pocket in that development up there in Chestnut Creek that uh, if you're looking for a home in that area, nicer quality in the mid fours, that's that's a great spot to come up and check it out. All right. Very good. Sounds like Andy kind of knows that area. A little bit. Yeah. kind of does. Hey, say, I have something. Well, let's hear it. I know. And it's uh, with one of uh, your esteemed colleagues, Uh-oh. Mike Lynch. Really? We're doing a Stargazer event. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Have you been to one? Uh, no. Oh, gosh. I mean, some of the stuff, the pictures he's taken, but he's basically going to explain the constellations and all that fun stuff. We're having... Um, People love his presentation. I've I heard. say that. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. And I ran into him. I'm like, I got to do that. Um, actually, Andy Lindis is the one that told me. He goes, he went to one. And he said, you got to do this. So we're going to do it at Sandpoint Beach in Prior Lake, October 12th. So that's uh, two Saturdays from now, 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. No reason to, you don't just come and enjoy it, and he'll let you take pictures and... You know, he actually takes your phone and kind of shoots a picture. He brings the all his telescopes yeah. and all that. Yeah, and there's like five yeah. of them. So yeah, so we're doing that. Sounds like a lot of fun, actually. If it's hopefully the weather is nice and clear for you guys. Yeah. And next week we'll have something on our andyandrooney.com uh, website, kind of showing that and where it's at. Nice. All right. Here's a text. Uh, do you see a big difference with younger group of people versus Gen X or baby boom boomers, and what they like or want in a house? Good question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I think it becomes uh, uh, lifestyle. I mean, I talk about it all the time, but lifestyle is the the biggest thing. It's just like, uh, you know, eh, you know, obviously want to try to maybe get closer to the city or, or where they work. Yep. Um, but I've, you know, people are saying about these millennials and stuff that they're, oh, they're lazy and they're whatever. I don't see that. Not at I all. I don't. I see that they're very, um, they're, they're smart. They're smart about their money. They save their money. Yep. Um, I, I see people buying at 23, 24 years old, yep. um, you know, and they all say, no, they're going to live with their parents until they're 50. But 
I just, I just don't see that part. It's just a little bit of the household formation being delayed and a little more debt on the average person when they're getting out of college than they used to have. So there's a little delayed gratification with some of the millennials that are out there that maybe mom and dad didn't help them out or they you know, don't have the job that can cover both a, uh, you know, the loan payment and the mortgage payment. So it's, I think that's a little bit, they, they have a little more weight on their shoulders that they have to unbury themselves from before they can become the, you know, the home buyer. But uh, ultimately at the end of the day, people want a safe place to live, something they can enjoy, you know, and uh, it, it, we all, I think have the same goals. I used to do um, a, a presentation at a school and they did, it was like personal applied math. And so they go over all these different things and housing was one of them. And I was doing those kind of talks in like that 2008 through 2012 um, class time. And a lot of those kids, um, parents were going through losing their houses. And it was really interesting. I think there, there has something to do with that, too, that these kids are like, you know what? I don't ever want to get in that position and uh, that they're saving. It's just I think that was a big thing because a lot of them had no idea what really what was going on. Right. Because their parents didn't want to talk about it. And a lot of people don't know what's going on when it's happening to them. Well, right. I mean, I think that the idea of having so much debt and or having a house that has negative equity and those some of those things that they've lived through and watched people struggle with, they're being smarter and they're just standing back and saying, okay, before I enter into that arena, I want to make sure I'm, number one, getting a great interest rate like we are. I'm putting down a decent down payment so that I don't lose the house and I'm buying only what I can afford or what I need they're not overbuying like a lot of our Gen Xers will buy the 12,000-square-foot house just because we can. That's our generation's a little different. We like that. You know, their generation is more of the, what can you do for 1,400 square feet? Because that's all my husband and I need or whatever, and, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. So, What was that age? I'm thinking of listeners who maybe joined us late. At the top of the show, you brought up an interesting, uh, what's the average age of? Someone building. Yeah. 47. Yeah, and that's older than normal. They, a lot of that has to do with the crowd of the uh, the uh, empty nester crowd that's coming back into housing, and 71% of them are repeat offenders. You know, they're building for the second or third time, and it's it's addictive. I mean, people love new. People love to have something that nobody else has lived in or messed up before, and it's it's uh, and then they can design it the way they want the house. And so if you want wider hallways, wider doors, you want a big shower, you want, you know, a big soaker tub with jets in it, whatever you want, I mean, you can you can do it. And there's those folks are doing a lot more research before they jump, too. That's right. And they should. I've, when I was at the model, there was two people in there. One was two years out. Another one was three years out. Yep. Getting ideas. Yeah. That was just smart. Well, well, we had one last quick text here. Sure. Uh, 11908-85th Place North in Maple Grove. It's a townhouse that's going on the market today. And uh, that's listed at 237500 wow. for a two-bedroom, three-bath. Where? Right in the heart of Maple Grove, like in the hot spot. Wow. Is it yeah. a townhouse or a yeah, condo? Yeah, Lisa's going to be out there today from 11 to 1, so come on out. Oh, the brains of the operation will be there. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to learn about real estate, go see her. <laughs> go see her. Guys, we hope to see you uh, back here uh, next week. I know we're out of time. Uh, how, how do we get in touch? What's, what's, your, what's your site? Andyandrooney.com. Andy gets top billing. Andyandrooney.com. <laughs> T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.